Hey, I'm Jess. And I'm Regan. And this is our very first episode of You Pick, We Watch. And we're going to hope that this goes well. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a good feeling, but that's about all I have. Uh, So after doing the one on uh, when Regan guested on my podcast, we decided to do this. And this one is... uh, this podcast is where you guys actually pick the movie, and we are going to take a deep dive into it, learn everything we can, give our reactions on it too. Um, and today we're talking about the 1988 John Carpenter movie, They Live, which uh, was one of Regan's suggestions. It's, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it's like one of my favorites, but I've it's left a strong impression on me, and I really liked it. Yeah, I have been into movies and that I didn't even realize were John Carpenter movies until I watched like four of them in a row on accident. So <laughs> um, I was I was a little wary when I saw it was uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, but uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was very interesting. So um, for sure. Yeah, we are also going to do these uh, kind of get to know you questions so you guys out there can get to know us and Regan and I can get to know each other a little more too because we only really work together and our our love of movies brought us together for this so this will be fun that is true um so let's uh we'll get into this later with the movie but uh this movie had one of the longest fight scenes (laughs) I've ever seen in life (sighs) It's it's one of the best parts of the movie, and it's funny because the first time you watch it, it kind of feels like the end of Return of the King, where you're like, this fight's ended three times already. Yeah. How much more can it go on? Yeah, exactly. And we'll get into that even further later with uh, some reactions that I, I have from my wife that watched it. Um, and so have you ever been in a fist fight with a friend or anybody in general, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, once, actually. So it wasn't really much of a story. Um, one of my friends got a little drunker than I did, and he ended up kind of talking some smack. And when I was trying to calm him down, he slapped me in the face. So <laughs> I then punched him in the face. And then we kind of scuffled around for a second and then decided... We just kind of wanted to keep drinking, so <laughs> started with a slap <laughs> to the face. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. I can say I didn't really expect that, but I was waiting for it. You know, right, right. Alcohol. Oh. Mine did not involve alcohol. Actually, mine was uh, I was eighteen, I think, and it was over a girl, obviously, because mm. that's <laughs> they all start mostly. Um, and I went. I was like let's do this. And I went to the park where everybody fought and the police were always there. So that was dumb on my part anyway. Uh, (laughs) But this girl ended up bringing like probably 10 people with her. And I was by myself, which was also mistake number two. Um, So we we kerfuffled a little bit. I ended up just pinning her to the ground after she got a couple hits in. I got a couple in. 
and then the police came and broke it up and I drove off but needless to say uh, that girl still will message me time to time on Facebook just to talk smack like 20 years <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like we don't even live in the same state anymore come on <laughs> and I can't even fly right now yeah exactly so it was dumb 18 year old stuff but uh, I think everybody should be in one at one one point just to see how you'll handle yourself yeah yeah I think um, it's a uh, especially at that age it's a very formative experience it is it is <laughs> so now that we know that, we are talking about They Live. So this is directly from what I got from IMDb for the back-of-the-box type of stuff. A drifter discovers a pair of sunglasses that allow him to wake up to the fact that aliens have taken over the Earth. I, I think that's a pretty accurate statement, actually. It is, and it sounds so crazy if you haven't seen the movie. Yeah. You know, like, that's just a crazy description. It, when I read it, I was like, hmm, really? Sunglasses? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And then, like, you had warned me that the first, like, third of the movie was kind of slow. So okay. I'm, like, watching it, and I'm going, all right. So he's just a chill guy. He's going to go work in construction. Where are these sunglasses? And then it, like, <laughs> just blew up. And I was like, oh, well. <laughs> That <laughs> that's like the best and worst part about the pacing is that the first through the third of the movie it's almost comically slow and then as soon as it takes off like it doesn't touch the ground again like it just keeps going. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was really having trouble with the beginning, the first part, because it's literally in a homeless uh, town. That it was a real town, actually. We'll get into yeah. that. I have some stuff on that too, but um, yeah, once it once it picked up and he started like making like going crazy almost, I was like, <laughs> "All right, I'm in. Let's let's go." That's kind of my. That was exactly my wife's experience too. Like I remember watching this on TV like 15 years ago or something, and I was like, "Yeah, this is you know great 80s movie. I think you'd really like it." And then that first act like kind of like the fist fight in it it just kept going and going and going i'm like oh man i don't even remember when he finds these sunglasses yeah and it the beginning to like the church people i felt like they were the aliens at first mm. and i was like why are they trying to like keep him out of there when they want people and then the police just came, and I, I was confused, too. And then when it all it all came together, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so what was your overall, what's your overall, like, feel or reaction to the movie before we go into, like, our deep dive stuff? Um, I, I like it. It's got kind of, like, a theme of... Uh, I wouldn't say like anti-establishment, but it's like it was it was like politically subversive for the time, and I don't know they they did it in a way that that gives me a satisfying feeling. Yeah, um, I would almost say it definitely is anti-establishment. Um, yeah. Once you find out what the sunglasses show. Um, yeah. The on the surface of 
this movie, like to me, it seemed like a shoddy B movie with terrible 50s sci-fi makeup and even worse <laughs> acting with wrestler Roddy Rowdy Piper at the helm. But as a deeper dive into the theme of the movie, uh, it actually can produce a really jarring reality that can only be seen once those rose-colored glasses or are off, or in this case, the Blues Brothers sunglasses hmm. are put on. That's that's kind of like where I went with that. Um, and this, well, this was my first ever watch through of this, and like I said, I already kept, I kept waiting for the action to start or the suspense, just because of other John Carpenter films like uh, Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. Big Trouble in Little China, Ghosts of Mars, Halloween. Um, I always felt there was like an element of suspense in those. Um, this one kind of seemed like a radio show that was brought to life. So it it definitely they, has that like eighties B movie feel to it, you know? Yeah. Like that's there's some movies that you can't at least when I watch them first time around. I wouldn't necessarily know it's John Carpenter, but it always has that feel of a John Carpenter movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's ever done the same movie twice, rarely. Like, the same type of movie, except for, um, like, Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. Um, Yeah. But, like, his other ones, they're always, like, a little different or a little off or a little... Like, you're right, you can't really tell that it's one of his movies, but you know it's one of his movies. It, it's almost like a feeling you have while you're watching it, where you yeah. kind of, like, Google halfway through the movie, like, is it, who's it who directed this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, we've, we've alluded to this, um, and it's in the tagline, obviously, but Rowdy Roddy Piper finds these sunglasses, and when he puts them on, he can see all the advertisements are words. Um, he sees aliens that look like human beings to us. Um, and then the rest of the movie is him trying to figure out how he can stop this by himself. And going a step uh, further, the advertisements that he sees, uh, after he puts the glasses on, he sees the subliminal messaging that's coming yeah. through the media that everyone's digesting. And it's it's in moments like that. I finally figured... I finally remember the movie it makes me think of in that respect is kind of like Fight Club, you know? Yes. Very anti, you know, insane consumerism. Yes. Um, Fight Club is one of my all-time favorites as well. I can <laughs> definitely see the the whole, yeah, I can see that. Same Absolutely. here. Tyler Durden with Aliens. Yep. They live. Yes. Yeah, that would be a good mashup movie right there. Um, so when he did have the sunglasses on, it definitely almost took me out of the movie, but I think it was like trying to be jarring in a way to get you to see exactly what was happening. Yeah. And it's also jarring that in those scenes where it's his point of view, when he puts the shades on, everything's in black and white when you're seeing Mm -hmm. the, the world for what it really is. And I think that's, probably a a cool artistic choice of like you know you're just seeing the black and white of this particular issue oh absolutely like that i think that hits the nail right on the head that it you're there is no gray area like this is this is how it is and this is what they want and this is how it's got to be yeah um while 
he is on his journey to do this. He says one of the best lines <laughs> I've ever heard in a movie, and I did not know that it was from this movie. And when he said it, I was like, oh, all right. Um, do you want to go ahead and say that Absolutely. Line? I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. I absolutely <laughs> love that line. <laughs> it has to be one of the most iconic quote lines from a movie. Like I'm sure it's on a list somewhere. I yeah, I definitely agree with that. I've heard iterations of that in like media that's followed the release of that, you know, like just in parody movies or comedy shows. Like it's it's one of those movies where kind of like how Mission Impossible invented like all these tropes that are now common in action movies moving forward you know you, you watch a movie that you know might have came out 10 20 years ago and you realize like oh that's where that came from yes i get it now yeah a bunch of buttons clicked yeah for me. what when this when i heard that i was like oh that well i have learned something today <laughs> um we can move into a deep dive on that actually do you know where that line came from i sure do where did it come from so it actually wasn't in the script um uh carpenter wanted roddy to say something badass when he walked into the bank and uh, he had some lines that he had like a book of lines that he had prepared um for just in, during his days of wrestling and they kind of went through and found the perfect one for that exact moment yeah it actually absolutely was perfect and i think if anybody else had been cast in this movie it would not have worked yeah yeah definitely you know speaking of that kurt russell was actually like when uh, Carpenter was first putting the movie together, he was considering offering the role to Kurt Russell. Yeah, but he was, uh, he had just worked on him with Big Trouble and Escape from New York, right? Yeah. And he was like, no, I, I need to work with somebody else. <laughs> That's about right. Yeah. Um, which I could see Kurt Russell in this, but. I like him in the other two because he does that John Wayne thing really well. Yeah. And I feel like that it probably goes without saying, but the movie would have had a way different feel to it if it was Kurt Russell, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause he's like a, such a macho man and Rowdy's a macho man, but in a totally different way. Yeah. I, it's not something I could like put my finger on, but you know, if you see an apple and orange next to each other, you know they're not the same. Exactly. <laughs> um, so that, since we've talked about that he's a wrestler, that fight scene, hmm. um, do you want to go into that a little bit? Um, yeah, I'll say a couple of things and feel free to, you know, pick up with anything you found out. Sure. Um, so that long ass fight scene goes for about six minutes. Uh, it took it took three days to shoot, and was um, reportedly took inspiration from a fight scene in the nineteen fifty two film The Quiet Man, starring John Wayne, where he also gets in a fist fight with someone that goes on for 
minutes upon minutes. Um, the what I thought was really funny is um, that fight scene spawned uh, like remakes and parodies, but there was a shot-for-shot shot remake of it in the season five episode of South Park, Cripple Fight. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I have not seen that in so long. Right. I have that on a four. I have that um, episode on like a four episode disc from like literally 1998. Really? And I'm going to go watch that after this, <laughs> I think. Because that's good. I have, to, I have to go see that. It has, yeah, it has Cripple Fight, Red Hot Catholic Love, uh, It Hits the Fan, and something else on it. Like all the big ones from that time. Oh, is that a relic of the days of uh, just putting the highlights on a, di- on a DVD? Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Much to the uh, same vein that single CDs were put out where you had one song and then four remixes of it. <laughs> oh, wow. I forgot all about those. <laughs> yeah. That's what we do in my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I have... What do I have on that? Um, it was originally only supposed to last 20 seconds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but Piper, uh, Roddy Piper and Keith David, the guy that plays his friend in the movie, not really his friend to begin with, obviously, because they're fighting, <laughs> um, they decided to fight it out for real. And they actually were only faking hits to the face and the groin. Um, and they rehearsed it for three weeks uh, at John uh, Carpenter's production office. That's... And he was so impressed with how they did it for so long um that he kept the whole thing intact like that that's awesome um there were two other things i wanted to say before we moved into some other trivia um meg foster the woman that plays holly thompson Mm -hmm. uh can't act and has dead eyes (laughs) she does have dead eyes so so weird my wife was like didn't want my wife didn't want to watch this and I just I put it on because she was on her computer and we were in the living room and like 20 minutes go by and she goes, I didn't want to watch this and it sucked me in. <laughs> so now I have to. So we're sitting there and then uh, Meg Foster comes on TV. And she's like, what is wrong with her eyes? <laughs> and I don't know what's wrong with her eyes, but they are dead eyes. It's funny. And she's awful. Because that's exactly what my wife said when she watched it. She's like, what's wrong with her eyes? <laughs> like, did they do effects to make her look weird? And I'm like, no, nah, I, think, I think that's just her. Yeah, that's what I, I was like. They have to be contacts or something. <laughs> like, that's what I thought. And I was like, no, actually, I think those are just her awful eyes. <laughs> um, and then, like, immediately after, like, you see her when he goes to her house and she throws him out the window. <laughs> Um, it's not a short drop uh, either it's like down one of those Californian hills yeah how would like nothing happen to him and I'm like that is unnecessary and he rolls it's not one of those like short rolls he rolls for a good like minute it's a tumble and you're like yeah it is a tumble and you're like well all right. I guess you come away with just a scratch. That's okay. If you were any other person other than Rowdy Roddy Piper, you'd be in trouble. <laughs> it was all those like 80s wrestling moves that probably kept him safe. He knows how to fall. 
I guess. Yeah. I mean, he's probably gotten picked up and thrown by Andre the Giant at least once. Basically the same thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty much the overview of it. Um, let's move into some other like trivia behind the scenes stuff that we have uh, to show you just some some deep dive on this and some some cool knowledge that maybe you didn't know before you listened to us. Um, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. So the story was originally based off a 1963 short story by Ray Nelson called Eight O'Clock in the Morning. But the idea came, like, the idea for the movie came from the comic book adaptation by the same author titled Nada, which is interesting because the uh, Piper's character is never actually named in the movie. Like, they don't say his name, he never tells anyone his name. And in the credits, he's just credited as Nada, which I guess came from the original character of George Nada from the short story. And uh, yep. Piper actually got the role because Carpenter is a fan of wrestling. I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> I, do, I do know that Vince McMahon didn't want Piper to do the film. Really? Um, and, and Carpenter was like, yeah, I figured. And McMahon told Piper he would find him a different film at the same pay rate within four weeks. But Piper passed and ended up splitting with the WWF at the time. Um when Carpenter asked why, Piper stated that McMahon was a control freak, which I think we all know now. <laughs> Sounds um, pretty hard for the course. And, yeah. And he said when he came back to wrestling, he was twice as important as when he left. And he credits Carpenter with the success um, and the success of the film for making him more famous. Hmm. Um, and he said, but the politics of that of the business is something he doesn't get. Um, Carpenter said that about wrestling. Okay. So, Spe- I mean, I could totally see Vince McMahon saying, no, I don't want one of my best wrestlers getting hurt on a movie. Oh, I didn't even think about it like that. But yeah, that, that's a good point because, you know, he did most of his stunts from what I was able to find and uh, was pretty enthusiastic about that fight scene. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> uh, I just go back to it. It's just- <laughs> Honestly, everybody's like, even if you don't want to watch the whole movie, go to YouTube and watch the fight scene. I I will say looking stuff up about this movie, I found that most of the best bits are on YouTube. So if you didn't want to sit down and watch the whole thing, you can just watch like the highlight reel, which is probably 10 videos of the best parts. But yeah, the fight is something everyone always remembers from that movie. Yeah. Um, I will never forget it. It it has left an impression. Um, did you know? You know that opening scene where they have the train roll by while he's walking across the train uh, yeah. tracks. It cost twelve thousand dollars to make because uh, there was a technical snafu that required them to do it a second time. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yep, just to have a train roll oh, by. Wow. Well, I mean. I guess you hear you hear a lot of movies have huge production budgets. Maybe maybe that's where it all goes. You know, have to redo a train. Yeah, thousand dollars. I'm sure there's stuff like that. Yeah, that was more than my car. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of expensive, um, I found out that the grocery store scene was actually the most expensive scene in that production. 
because they had to relabel all the goods like in the camera's uh, line of sight and they relabeled it all with the subliminal messaging for the shot where they have his glasses on. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Right? Like, that's the kind of stuff that I'm glad we talk about because there's so much things that I don't think about, even though I love movies and I love behind the scenes stuff and want to know everything about it. Like, that kind of stuff I would never have even thought about. Yeah, it's those weird little facts that when you're watching the movie, it kind of seems inconsequential, you know? Like, you don't really ask how it Mm -hmm. happens until you just kind of hear how it happens. Yeah, like somebody, they had to pay somebody to relabel that. Where, why can't I have that job? (laughs) Uh, I would gladly get paid a union job to relabel some fans. This is the 80s, too, so they couldn't just CGI it in post, you know? No. Yeah, every, and that's the thing, too. Did you know that there was something about that that I wanted to say? There was one guy that played all the aliens <laughs> yeah um both male and female they were all portrayed by stunt coordinator jeff amata um and there were like amata played all the aliens that had close-ups and speaking parts and just because he could fit into the costumes and he even wore like the pumps like huh. women in the 80s wore pumps a lot He's like, he didn't mind the pumps. And when you have 14 black belts, you can wear pumps. <laughs> like, that's a man confident yeah. in himself. I guess so. I mean, you say anything, you could kick your ass. Yeah. He's actually speaking um, to him. Um, he choreographed, he helped choreograph the fight scene for this movie. And I found out that, he, like, in that same role, he's done fights for, like, the Bourne um born identity series and even as recent as fast and furious movies yeah fast and furious seven i believe yes and um there's something else oh no it was an old one oh batman versus superman dawn of justice huh. he did stuff for that he actually did stunts in that one wow He's, yeah, he's got he's got a pretty good rep behind I'd him. I'd say so. Um, he goes back as a stunt coordinator all the way back to um, his first ones for stunts, which he was uncredited for, was Blade Runner. <laughs> no way. Actually. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So, yeah, he's pretty... He's a pretty well-known Hollywood stunt guy. So he's pretty cool. Mm. Um... The the film opened, uh, debuted at number one in North America, um, and it made four point eight million dollars during its opening weekend. Spent two weeks in the top ten, and had a total domestic gross of thirteen million. Which is actually pretty good when you consider the budget was three million dollars. So that like tripled yeah. your investment into the movie. That's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Speaking of it releasing. Um, it was released in Europe under a different title, as as is done sometimes. Um, but it was called Invasion Los Angeles, and the movie poster looked more like Escape from New York style, as opposed to what the movie was actually about. Oh, that's cool. 
I'm going to Google that right now. Invasion of... Invasion Bogus? Los Angeles. I'm going to see if it looks like a 50s sci-fi. Actually, no. It, um, it looks pretty authentic to the time but oh yeah yeah it, it kind of, yes the the silhouette on there could be kurt russell and easily oh yeah yeah i see it now that is that is almost uh escape from new york if it was on a slant hmm. it would be escape from new york absolutely that looks yeah i wonder why they do did you know to um it was actually supposed to open. Um, it was pushed back two weeks because it was going to go up against Halloween four. Um, oh yeah. So they, they pushed it back. So it would like compete with uh, that conflict with that, which, which is yeah. interesting. Cause that's another Cause... Carpenter movie. Like he, for a while he was just cranking them out. Yeah. The, that thing that you sent me about um, 80s, about the Predator, going back to that with uh, when it talked a lot about these Halloween movies and the horror movies and the, the way that they were filmed and the tropes oh, yeah. and everything in there. Um, for him to do that for almost all of them, I mean, that's... I can <laughs> see that now when after we watch that. So. Um, I I got like conflicting information on that. Um on uh, the release date for this movie. I can't remember what mm-hmm. site it was, but it said that it was one of those either or things. Uh, the more um, impressive line was that Carpenter was saying that he wanted to make a statement and kind of give the finger to Reagan in a time when no one else would about, you know, like wealth inequality and how media and politicians influence the population. And it suggested that he moved back the uh, premiere of the movie to line up with the presidential election for that year. And and then right below oh, that, totally it said, that, or too. he didn't want it to conflict with his other movie. <laughs> so it like, immediately took the wind out of those sails. Yeah. Uh, I could definitely see that. Everything I read and watched on this was how much he hated Reagan and how much this was a almost a political event for him to say how much he hated his trickle-down economics and Reaganomics and everything. Yeah, and I mean, you definitely get that feeling when you watch it, but I can't think of one other Carpenter Carpenter movie that is as political as this one. Yeah, absolutely not. Most of the other ones that I've seen um, are just straight up either suspense, horror, action, just blowing people up things i'm sure if i looked into like escape from new york a little more i could see a more political Mm. side to it just because they turn all of manhattan or whatever manhattan or long island manhattan i think into a prison so i'm (laughs) sure there's some kind of political it's funny because whenever i think about Um, that in movies i can't tell if the intent is there or if i'm just painting a bullseye around the arrow that I shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you examine the character of Laurie's yeah. throat, you can see the insert pretentious line. Yeah. I know. I, I'm called back to um, 
something I read once about a not a, an, an English class and how the, an English professor wants you to say what the author was thinking like when they say the chair was blue hmm. and you get a whole bunch of different answers and the author's just like the chair is just blue like relax <laughs> yeah sometimes the chair is so. just blue other times it represents depression and yeah. ennui but we just needed a blue chair mm-hmm. yeah um totally yeah we never know what's really going on in these guys' heads until you read the stuff and you you find out the behind the scenes yeah, on it. Like that. I mean, but any anybody could see that they they live is a political has a political agenda. Yeah, it's absolutely. it's got a message that it that's that's also one of the things I like about the movie is it does have a message and it's not subtle about it at all. But it's done well in such a way that you know it's. It doesn't feel like I'm getting beaten over the head with it, even though I know I am. Yeah, it does it in a very subtle way because you're almost on that same journey with um, mm-hmm. Nada or Piper. You're like, you only see it yeah. when he sees it. And if you didn't know so. that that movie was about like an alien invasion type of thing, you know, influencing humans, it's kind of like you're unraveling the mystery with him. Yeah, exactly. And I will say it actually does have a very surprise <laughs> yeah. ending. I won't spoil it, but it does have a, a surprise ending. And I was uh, I was actually a little shocked. So it has, it has that going. <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. It's it's one of those. I, I'm hesitant to say this, but I will anyway, just because um, <laughs> it's it's got an ending that I wouldn't expect. And my brother said the same thing about Shutter Island. And I immediately tried to think of things I wouldn't expect. And then I called the twist in the movie. And I really wish that he hadn't said that. Yeah, um, I have never seen Shutter Island, but Mm. I know of the twist and I know of it. um, And that's what's kept me. Same thing with um, I know that you have this on our list. Mm. uh, Inception. I've actually never seen Inception, but I know, like, I've watched a lot of theories on it, so I'll be excited Hmm. when that one comes up. Um, Do you have any other behind-the-scenes? Yeah, so the movie is credited, like, the uh, the screenplay is credited to Frank Armitage, who is the person who wrote the movie which is actually a pen name used by John Carpenter because he thought that if he put on the in the credits that he wrote the movie, produced it, uh, developed the score for it even. It's like he does so much for his own movies that he thought it might look kind of sanctimonious to have, you know, basically his name five times on there. So he, he switched it up under that yeah. pseudonym that he actually took from H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's short story, The Dunwich Horror, which I can say is actually a very good short story about people going mad as they start learning about these unseen forces and forbidden knowledge. That's cool. Yeah, I mean... He should just be pretentious like everyone else and put his name on it a hundred times. Like, 
nobody would bat two eyes these days. Yeah, not really. That. And that's kind of what I like about his films is they they feel kind of low budget like that. Like he puts so much effort and love into his films that you can just tell that it's his blood, sweat, and tears on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can you can definitely tell that in all of his. Um, he has a vision. He definitely has a vision when he does his movies. And not all of them are hits. There are definitely some... <laughs> Ghosts of Mars is not the greatest movie. But I had fun watching it. That's so what counts. That's, that's a lot what of his I movies with, didn't so. end up getting like a whole lot of praise from important critics, but it's weird because most of his movies end up becoming cult classics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, I think the cult classic is, I prefer those over big budget um, blockbusters like the summer yeah. tent pole movies. I I honestly usually don't see the really hyped up ones, and I'll stick to either off the wall indie movies or I'll wait ten years to watch it. I get that. So it's it's weird because those you know off the wall indie movies sometimes it, it's like they aren't all hits, but when they hit, man, is it a hit? Yeah. Um, for example, for me, <laughs> uh, Clerks, Kevin Smith's first movie. Um, got me into Kevin Smith and his whole world that he's created and how you can make a movie, have it be good, and not go into all the super, like... Um, yeah, like, it doesn't feel like he's sold out, you know? Special effects. Yeah. Yeah, he did it all on his, all on his own. Like, that was his vision... That's when he's gonna make it. That's what I like about like, yeah, directors like, like that. Um, the Boondock Saints is a movie that I've always liked, and it's definitely a cult movie. Like it did not really get <laughs> any kind of acclaim when it was released, and arguably, you know, one could make the the argument that it's not a movie that's gonna win any Oscars, but it's fun. You know, it's a fun movie, and the guy who wrote it, to my knowledge, didn't that was the first movie he helped make and he was just a bartender that had a screenplay. Yep. Yeah. There's hope for all of us. <laughs> um, yeah. This, I love talking about that stuff. That's how, I mean, hopefully we'll introduce some movies or directors or writers or like anybody that's attached to a film. Um, we'll introduce this to maybe people that wouldn't give these type of movies or like certain movies a yeah. uh, second thought and uh, they'll uh, There's some movies um, some movies you just anything. don't really think about watching until you know a little about it yeah absolutely that's why I just I honestly just waited how many years to watch <laughs> all of Alien Predator what a ride <laughs> literally, literally 40 years so it was a ride. It was, it was an epic journey. Uh, do you have any other things, or do you want to move into um, if we give this a thumbs up or a thumbs um, down? Yeah, that sounds good to me. What? Okay, so 
given both your hands, what would you give this movie? Like, I'd say if it was the best movie in the world, it'd be a two thumbs up for me. What do you say? I would do a one a one thumbs up. Um, mostly because I think there are better John Carpenter movies out there. Um, but if you do want to see a good take on like capitalism, how the lower class sees the rich and the powerful, um, a good hmm. fu to Reagan. You know, um, it's an interesting journey. I definitely think some people would have fun with it. If not, go watch the highlights from YouTube. But yeah, I would do a one. I, yeah, I would do, I would a do one the same up. for those exact reasons. And again, it's it's got. If you're not into like 80s cheese, you know, in terms of movie quality, like if you're not into B movies, you probably will have a hard time getting into it just because of that third act. I mean, that first act alone just kind of dragging. If if you're willing to sit through it and you appreciate okay. the the genre of movie that it's kind of going for, then I I think you'll really like it. But for me, that's all. That's one thumb up. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Absolutely. Um, so normally this would be a section where we would go into our um, viewer mail and you guys can all reach out to us at you pick we watch at gmail.com. And we actually did get one email um, that because we've been trying to get this out to people. Um, so this was from Whitney and she says, what a great podcast idea. I'm so into it. I want to suggest a favorite in our house, the fantastic Mr. Fox. It's a Wes Anderson film and it's done in stop motion. And I don't know much about the making of it. Might be cool. A cool one to dive into. Um, he also made the grand Budapest hmm. hotel, which was fabulous as well. Looking forward to listening. So thank you, Whitney. That is excellent. I actually have not seen the fantastic Mr. Fox, but I'm usually down for whatever Wes Anderson has to show me. Um, yeah, I haven't seen either. I remember it coming out, and I remember um, how much love it got from somebody I worked with. And I've also heard a lot of great things about the Grand Budapest Hotel. So I added both of those to our master list. Um, if you guys want to send in suggestions, um, email us, let us know what's going on, what you thought of any of these movies, um, that'd be great. We also invite you to watch the movies with us over the course of the week so you can send in your thoughts and we can read them out loud and um, what you like and we can tally them all up and see what it gets from the audience. Um, so again, uh, it'll be in our show notes too. I'm going to add some stuff. The Everything on our Anchor page right now, it's slowly moving to other platforms. Um, we got approved for Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, and another one. So we're just waiting for the iTunes one to come through. But we'll have the email and everything on there. And so we're going to pick a new movie right now, I think. Is that where we are? Hang on. <laughs> yes. we are. That's where we're at. So I've added all the movies to um, wheelofnames.com. And I don't have a video of it. I sent Regan a video of it last time <laughs> so he knows that I'm not just picking my favorites or things I want to watch. Um, so we've added Fantastic Mr. Fox and Grand Budapest Hotel. 
We also have a few other movies on there that Regan and I both started because um, we obviously needed yeah, a list d- to start with. So I didn't expect suggestions right off the bat, and I'm so glad that we actually have some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I was stoked when I got that. When I saw the email, I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> People are going to love this. So we're going to click to spin right now. And this is a fantastic little uh, website, wheelofnames.com. You just kind of put everything in. And lo and behold, the winner uh, huh. is Inception, actually. How about that? Look at that. And I swear I did not do anything. <laughs> I will even have Regan spin it next week. Um, but yeah, we are going to watch Inception this week. So... Watch it at home and then send us an email to youpickwewatch at gmail.com. And we want to thank everybody so much for tuning in this week. Um, We're still working on a little bit of the flow, so bear with us. But I think we did a pretty good job. I mean, I have a biased opinion, but I think it went pretty well. But uh, I'm guessing that future episodes are uh, going to be a lot smoother, you know? Just practice makes perfect. Yeah. Exactly. Um, hopefully you guys all had fun listening and you learned a few things. Um, so next week our discussion takes us to Inception. And that one was actually one of Regan's uh, suggestions. Um, and you can help us select the next movie by sending more suggestions in um again i'm jess you can find me on twitter at rad mad mal um and we have that's me regan you can find me at author regan brooks and facebook and instagram if you want pictures of cute dogs and pretty sunsets he he is a, a good photographer i will i was very jealous of actually your wherever you went this weekend because you're it was beautiful i was even very was surprised cold. there's a state park that has a really beautiful beach about 20 minutes south of where i live right now and it was just a perfect moment to take pictures it was like 35 degrees and it started snowing right into my face like five minutes after <laughs> i took those but yeah absolutely beautiful Yeah, it it was gorgeous. So go follow him. Go follow me on Twitter. Uh, We'll catch you next Monday. And this has been uh, You Pick, We Watch.